Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seeker Plus. This is a classic episode from the archives with a special guest, actually our first guest ever, Dr. Ian O'Neill. He's since moved up in the world. He's hosting his own YouTube videos. He's writing for smart space and science websites across the internet. And Dr. O'Neill is a space specialist. He's an astrophysicist, actually. And here we are talking about aliens. We're going to talk about if they're out there, why we haven't found them, what if they showed up here. We might even answer how we all got here in the first place. It's pretty exciting. So let's kick into it. Are we alone? Ian? In my opinion, no. In science's opinion, I don't know. Probably uh, not. Probably, probably not. Probably not. Maybe. Uh, NASA's chief scientist, Eileen Stoffen, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's talking about microbes, obviously, not like aliens from TV. So like little microbes under Mars rocks. Right, exactly. Okay. And the microbes have been shown to exist in various environments, tardigrades, or water bears can exist in the vacuum of space, and they're just like, what's up? Yeah, they're cool. like cockroaches. Really, Down. Uh, cockroaches can do that as well. Yeah. So when it comes to finding life outside of Earth, every bit of research I get, it comes to the Drake Equation, which mm -hmm. was written in 1961 by Frank Drake. Can you tell me what the Drake Equation is? Because it seems important. Well, it's mathematics, and I don't like mathematics. But it's based purely on theory. This isn't actually any science really goes into this number. It's purely um, taking into account the rate of star formation. It's taking into account of how many stars have planets around them. Um, it's got other, um, other factors like average number of planets that could support life per star and the fraction of planets that could support life, that develop life. So there's a lot of assumptions here, but it all gets thrown into an equation. N equals R star F P N E F L F I F C L. That's um, a lot. That's, that's a lot. lot. And the thing is, you can put so many other um, other variables in this. You could, you know, as we become more familiar how life forms, we can actually work out what other factors can be thrown in, such as you know the correct habitable environment for these uh, for these hypothetical life forms. You pull the numbers into the equation, and you get N which comes out as the number of communicating civilizations that are out there in our galaxy. Well, according to the original equation, 1961, Drake's minimum number of planets that had intelligent broadcasting life was like us enough. Yep. It's 20. That's a pretty good number of planets. It's, it's a cool that's number. That's enough yeah. to make like a whole series in television. 20 different alien races. Yeah, right? that's, that's enough for our little galaxy. Right, you know? yeah. But according to Astrobiology Magazine, it could be as many as 15,785 planets, and some estimates are as high as 100,000, Ian. It's crazy. 100,000 planets crazy. with extraterrestrial life that can communicate with mm. us. That's pretty impressive. Essentially, to put it in perspective, uh, there are 100 Earth-like planets in our galaxy for every grain of sand and every beach and sandbox in the world. <sighs> A hundred Earth-like planets, planets for every grain of sand. That's the Earth-like ones, not all planets, just mm -hmm. Earth-like ones. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yep. So we're not alone, right? I mean, mathematically speaking, we cannot be alone. So, of course, this all brings us to the Fermi Paradox, which asks, if there are all these transmitting aliens out there, why haven't we heard from them yet? Why aren't they knocking on our door? Where are they? That makes sense. But we're going to talk about that later. Not today. Later. There's also the critiques of the Drake equation that say that it doesn't take into account other galaxies, yeah, which we know are around. Mm -hmm. They're pretty far away, of course, but it doesn't take that into account. It doesn't take into, I mean, just for every star in the Milky Way, there's a whole galaxy out there. For every star in the Milky Way, mm -hmm. there's another galaxy, right? 
Yeah. That's a lot of galaxies. There's a lot of galaxies, a lot of stars, and also we got a massive amount of time for all these civilizations right. to thrive. Because I mean, our, our universe has been around for, what, 14 billion years? Yeah, just about, So right? civilizations could have come and gone. We've only already been around for a handful of, well, our civilization's only been around for in its current form in a few decades. So right. for us to be even conceiving these ideas now is just phenomenal, I think. Yeah, they don't really take into account the amount of time or yeah. whether that time overlaps with ours. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the, like, the problem with the Drake equation is that, sure, let's say his number was right, which then now that 20 doesn't seem like such a great number anymore because 20 civilizations over 14 billion years, mm-hmm. it's not very many. It's not very many civilizations. So this is why this question is so hard to answer, that it's like, yeah, we're not alone, maybe. Yeah, and maybe. also you got to think that you know, we're in this incredible age of scientific discovery. So now we're actually putting Drake's equation to test because mm-hmm. before we didn't actually have the means to do this. Yeah. So now we are actually building these incredible space telescopes. We're having stupidly advanced ground-based telescopes. And we're starting to look for other worlds around other stars. And we've discovered thousands of exoplanets orbiting other stars. And Kepler, for one, the Kepler Space Telescope, right. NASA uh, Space Telescope, has, has, yeah, Kepler's awesome, he, has found many, many planets orbiting within the habitable zones of its stars. Okay, and, habitable zones, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. Habitable zone, let's explain it for people who don't know. Habitable zone. Well, we live in one. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of happy about that. It's, it's the right spot from a star that's not too far away or too close yep. for that star. Because every star is going to be a little different, right? Yeah, it's not too hot, not too cold. It's the Goldilocks zone. Goldilocks zone. It's clever. Like it. Clever, isn't like it? it. Um, so a planet that orbits around its, its star in the habitable zone, if it's a small star, the habitable zone tends to be closer because that star is cooler. If mm-hmm. it's bigger, hotter, the habitable zone is further out. So mm-hmm. there's a variety of habitable zones. And we're basically looking for um, Earth, true Earth-like planets. So we're looking for planets that are within habitable zone and have atmospheres yeah. because we're looking for life as we know it. So we know life lives on Earth. We live in the habitable zone of our star. Right. So therefore, if we can find another Earth-like planet, we may be able to find Earth-like life. But that's life as we know it. Right, and that's another problem with the Drake equation, that they could be communicating active extraterrestrial life that don't communicate the way we do, or that don't live the way we do. So this is a complicated answer to are we alone, but I think we could probably just say that we're not. I mean, we're not alone. I don't think we are. I don't think we are No, I don't think we are. I don't, just don't think we but can. But that's it. I mean, we, we know we're alone at the moment because nobody else is talking to us. But, sure. you know, until science finds evidence of another alien life in another world. If we're not yeah. alone, where the heck are all the aliens? Yeah, why haven't we found any of trace? That's what I, mean, I want to know. Looking. I mean, it's not as if we're not looking. Okay, so we're looking. Yeah, so we b- briefly touched already on the Fermi paradox, which, yeah. you know, asks, you know, if there's all these transmitting aliens, where are they? You know, they should be, you know, talking to us right now. We should be talking to them. Right. But we don't take into account like the scale of space or whatever, but there's some ideas as to how advanced these aliens may be. So and if there are aliens, how how technologically advanced they are or like how good they are at running? Like what do you mean by advanced? Technologically like, advanced. So how much energy they use. And this oh, is all okay. based on like the Kardashev scale, okay. which is takes into account type 1 civilizations, which are basically aliens that have found a way of using all the energy that their their planet produces and what falls on that planet. So like solar energy, 
Renewable energy. Everything energy. It's what about fine. like fossil fuels and stuff? Does that count? No, no, oh. that's that's what we, that's we kind that's of. That's bad energy. With. Yeah, that, that's that's rubbish stuff. So basically, all the energy that falls upon a planet, they're able to harness. Now, if you put that in terms of um, an alien race that's able to do it, they're they're at uh, type they're a type one civilization. Type one. But guess what? We are. We're 0.7. We're not even there we're yet. Obviously, 0.7. We're 0.7 on the Kardashev scale. So we suck. Not even a point one. Not even a type one. We we suck. What's type two? Yeah, type two. So basically, a type two civilization is even more advanced than that. They're able to take all the energy that's um, that comes out of their star. Okay. So they're able to somehow harness all that energy. That oh, comes I out know of where you're star. going with this. Yeah. The yeah. Dyson sphere. Oh, the Dyson sphere. The coolest sphere. thing the Dyson ever. Dyson sphere would be awesome if you watched oh, um, you know, Star Dyson Trek. You've sphere. actually seen seen one of those one of those things in action. A Dyson sphere is a thing where you put a, a giant machine around a star and you suck all of the energy out of it. Yeah, right? it's crazy. Or capture it all. It's really. crazy cool. And uh, later on, we're going to quickly discuss how you might be able to find those. Ooh. Like now. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like just look that's in space. Okay, okay. Um, and then you got the Type 3, which is just, just really crazy. They're able, to they're able to absorb all the energy that's produced from the entire galaxy, like using lots and lots of Dyson spheres. They're able to pull energy from the central black hole, all this crazy stuff. Wow. So um, th this is very science fiction ideas. But then again, if you follow logic of how our civilization's going, perhaps we may make it to Type 1 in the next couple hundred years. Okay, so like a couple hundred years will be... We'll be on the scale. <laughs> we'll we'll get we're, there. We're we'll get there on the someday. scale right now. So if you calculate with the Drake equation and you include the amount of time it takes societies to develop uh, the Drake equation we talked about earlier, there are a thousand type three Kardashev scale civilizations in the universe. A thousand. That's quite a lot. That seems like a lot. But it's a big universe. And some of them have had a billion years for a head start because planets have existed since very quick after the Big Bang. Surprisingly quick, actually. New research has shown, right? Is yeah, that true? yeah. No, totally right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, planets pop up soon after the stars produce. So. Right. Yep. So let's think about that. If you had a billion years, you'd definitely be type three. And so why haven't type three civilizations colonized all of the universe already? Where are they all? Well, they're probably working on it, but universe is really big. So it's like it takes a long time for their signals to reach us. So we could be surrounded by them. We could have some very noisy neighbors, but we don't know about it. Because, huh. I mean, if you just imagine the scale of our universe, our, our, our galaxy, 100,000 light years across, it would take 100,000 years for one photon to travel from one end of our galaxy to the other. I mean, we've only been listening out for these alien civilizations for the last 50 years. So we only know about this tiny little neighborhood in our little part of the galaxy. Seems really sad when you put it that way. And it our is. galaxy is just one of lots and lots of galaxies, and it's taken that, it would take 100,000 years for that? I mean, sure. So we've been listening for a few decades, and we've only even been like a civilization for like 50,000 years. Yeah. So that, that little photon's only about halfway. It is. That's crazy. And just imagine what's come and gone in that time. Man. All the civilizations that have come and gone. So it could be that they're out there, but they're either too far away, and other options maybe like, maybe they don't like us. Maybe we suck. Maybe we don't even recognize them. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they, could be, they could be sitting on our doorstep. We could be looking at some sort of cosmological phenomenon and going, what the hell is that? Well, it's an intelligent alien civilization, could be a type but we, three don't, and we just don't get we it. We don't recognize it. As okay. Such, no. We could be ants. You know, maybe, ants trying yeah. to contemplate. Oh, humans. maybe it's like I the mean, prime directive. Yeah. Where it's like, you're not even type one, bro. I'm not gonna talk I'm not talking to you yet. Yeah. Or wait, we wait. could just be like germs and they just come, you know, walk even, on by and they don't huh. even know we're there. There's also the assumption of exploration. Like 
we look at aliens and we're trying to mm -hmm. think about them in the way that we think of ourselves, which is natural. I mean, we're very human-centric. Mm -hmm. And we explore things, but maybe not every alien race would be inclined to do so. And you got to think, you know... Maybe that, they're introverts. Uh, and intelligence doesn't only go for humans. I mean, look on Earth. You know, we consider dolphins to be extremely intelligent creatures. They have their own society groups, and we do consider them intelligent. The universe could be scattered with these very meek life forms. They are intelligent, but they're just not technologically endowed. And yeah. they, and as you say, they may not want to explore. They may, right. That may not be part of their genetic makeup. It could just be a human thing. So if we send Voyager 1 out in the 70s, and it's only just gotten out of our solar system, then the furthest we've been able to listen is only the last few decades, then of course I can see why we would think we were alone. You know, it's like standing on the beach of a deserted island, throwing a bottle in the water, and then coming back 10 minutes later expecting someone found it. Exactly. Like, exactly. there's it's just no way. I mean, we it's just gonna, haven't been listening long enough. And at its current speed, a Voyager would reach the nearest star, which is only, what, four light years away, in 50,000 years' time. So That's pretty slow. We, we got an issue with interstellar travel. We need to really need to, speed that up. We need to think about that. So if we were seeking out like the signs of a super advanced civilization. So looking for something type two or type three. Mm -hmm. So we would start looking for Dyson spheres. How do we how do we do that? How do we look for those? Well, it's kind of cool because if you think about it, um, a Dyson sphere would kind of cover the entire star. Right. So if you could take a look at a disk of a galaxy, perhaps not in our own own galaxy, I suppose you could do in our own galaxy, but if you looked in, a, in another galaxy and you looked for areas where there are infrared blotches, but there is no associated optical light, hmm. you could think, okay, well, that could be a star encased inside like a megastructure, like a Dyson sphere. So it's emitting like this heat, this glow, yeah. but the light is blocked. So, uh -huh. and there are actually surveys looking for these mega engineering projects, which I just think is phenomenal. Did they find any yet? No, 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 no. Oh, come no, yeah. on. We're working on it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> There's also, uh, I see you put in, in our notes here, the weird light curve of a transiting planet <gasps> could give it away. So cool. A transiting planet, by the way, is when a planet passes in front of a star and you can see the planet's shadow, I guess, sort of, and also yeah. stuff coming off of its atmosphere. Yeah, you can see a silhouette. So um, if you're, so like um, the, uh, the the Kepler Space Telescope looks for these light curves. So basically you're looking for exoplanets passing in front of the disk of their star. And so you get this dimming effect. So you look into the star and it slightly dims. It's like, okay, that's strange. And it does it again, and it does it again in a certain period. Therefore, you, you know that it's a planet orbiting. Mm -hmm. But... When you analyze the light curve, you can understand the planet's size. You can also look for its atmosphere, which is another cool thing you can do. Um, but also, say if it's not a regular sphere. Say if, like a square, like a Borg cube passed in oh, front of a star. Stop it. Looking at that light curve, you can detect that. That's awesome. So just imagine if an alien has built this planet-sized Space death station, box. which isn't, I mean, obviously, most space stations you think about it be like the Death Star. Yeah, they yeah. would probably be, it's not a moon, it would probably be circular. Yeah, yeah it's definitely not a moon. Space station. Yeah, definitely a space station. Yeah. Um, so, say if it's a an irregular shape, so like oh, a square or a triangle, you can, tell you can that. detect it. Huh. And then, uh, what about the atmospheric content? So, if they had, say, chemicals in their atmosphere, could we tell that from afar? And, Absolutely. Yeah. And then be like, oh, there's a civilization there and they're 
industrial level because yeah. they have a lot of carbon in their atmosphere. Yeah, through um, through spectroscopy, you can work out you know what contents we got. So, say if it's a nitrogen-rich atmosphere, not not super similar to Earth, that'd be awesome. You'd be able to look for oxygen. We don't have the ability to do this yet, but say if you discovered something weird in the atmosphere, like CSCs, chlorofluorocarbons, which are associated with um, industry on Earth. There's no natural mechanism to produce CFCs in the universe that we know of. Hmm. If you see that in an atmosphere, aliens, crazy stuff. Not saying that's, aliens. That's, that's when you start but it's thinking, aliens. yeah. So there are other things too. Like again, we're looking very human centric, sure. and maybe it. Carl Sagan said maybe it takes aliens 12 years to say hello. We haven't really been looking long enough for stuff like that. So there no. are all these other considerations as well. But I want to get down to the nitty gritty. I want to know what they're looking like. What would aliens look like, Ian? I know. I got no clue. During the Cambrian explosion 600 million years ago, mm -hmm. there was a lot of body experiments by evolution. So, so some things worked, some things didn't. Right. So we right. just happened to be the things that worked. Huh. And in an alien civilization, maybe. And who knows what would work? Right. I mean, I don't know. That's the problem, is that it, it, it's very determinate of what your environment is, right? So, like, in Star Trek, all aliens are bipedal, bibrachial, which is two arms. They have stereo vision, mostly look at the same visual, visible light stuff that we do. They hear similar ranges, so on and so on, right? Yeah, well, because they're actors. Right. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. Babylon 5, they, they kind of went a little bit further. They had you know, the, some, the exosuits. Yeah, they had a lot. Cool. That Those were cool. Yeah, I like them. Orlons? I yeah, the Orlons. They were very mysterious. Good memory. Good memory. Yeah. So... Not all planets are Earth-like. No. And, and how many Earth-like planets are there out there? Um, a handful. Well, no, we don't actually know any of the Earth-like. If you consider Earth-like being like Earth, Rocky we haven't found any yet. Really? We haven't found any. No, we don't know what. We don't know what's on those surfaces. We know there's approximately Earth-sized, but that's all we know at the moment. I mean, mm -hmm. the Kepler Space Telescope is looking for these worlds passing in front of other stars. And we know that a few of them are kind of Earth-sized, but we can't look at its atmosphere to see if there's water or oxygen or nitrogen. We just don't know that yet. Yeah, we just make some assumptions based yeah. on a variety of other things. So uh, Kepler-62 are all, they think, water planets. Ooh. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. But... Um, Pretty Terra-centric, really, is yeah. the problem, right? Well, yeah, no, it's a good place to start. We're, we're looking for um, planets that resemble Earth, and we know that Earth kind of likes life, so why not? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So if we were trying to think more abstractly about what aliens look like, we're carbon-based life, we burn oxygen. But there's also other types of life, right? There's silicon-based life. Well, there might be. Maybe. Might be. It's possible. And the reason silicon is because it has the same periodic table group as us. Oh, okay. That's so it makes yeah. similar connections to carbon. Um, Carl Sagan pointed out maybe there's, uh, you know, things that don't care about water at all. Yeah, maybe that's true. things that care about ammonia. I mean, just go look at Titan. So uh, one of, um, the, one of uh, Saturn's moons, Titan, it's got lots of hydrocarbons on the surface. So a lot of scientists and, and astro, astrobiologists are thinking, okay, well, could there be some sort of life form that makes use of those chemicals, those prebiotic forms of chemicals? And it's funny, a recent bit of research, some chemical engineers, they've got a very can-do spirit. They thought, okay, well, if there was 
some other form of life, what what form of life would it take? What what form would it be in? Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, the the components on Titan, there's a lot of methane. So can we have methane based life? And they created one. They created a um, like cell, a model? an alien cell. Yeah, that, that pretty much does all the things life should do, but its base chemical is methane instead of carbon. Instead like of carbon, ours. yes. So, so all so of us methane are based. Based. Methane-based cell. It doesn't mean it exists. Huh. They, they just went into it. With the, you know, they're, they're engineers. They said, wow. okay, we're going to build something that works like life should. It doesn't mean it's there, but, right. but it's all the possible. components it's, are there. It's possible. It's possible. It's yeah. possible that, that the periodic table, I guess, allows for this type of life to exist. Absolutely. Whether it has evolved yeah. is a whole other question, which still doesn't really answer our our you know our thesis here is what would aliens look like because what would that methane life look like? Well, just be I wouldn't a cell, know. right? Yeah, it's a, this is just a cell. Microbes. I mean, who knows what, what what form it could take? But yeah, this was just a cell. It's just a, a circular cell. So it's kind of cute. So so far, when we come to the imagination about aliens outside of Hollywood, mostly what we're thinking is is microbes, right? Yeah. And so that, like Mars, ancient microbes. Yeah, Mars, because Mars used to be a much wetter place. So okay. you've got um, Mars Rover Curiosity, NASA's awesome Mars Rover, currently looking for um, past habitability. And we've already found that Mars was once a lot wetter than it is now. So we're looking for ancient life, and we're also looking under rocks for perhaps there could be some microbes hiding out, really mm. tough microbes, mm-hmm. but you don't know. Yeah, but it's, un- it's unlikely. It's unlikely, yeah, but, current, but, you know, but we're still looking. Also, yeah. Curiosity, what's up? You're on the other side of the sun right now. We can't talk to yeah, you. Yeah, he's so quiet. sad. He's kind of yeah. lonely, but still, still rocking out. What about like the ice moons of our? You know, we've got uh, the Europa Clipper mission. They're talking about. We've got Enceladus. We've got Ganymede. Those all are ice moons. Yep. And they have internal heat. Correct? Yes. So, so basically, heat and ice, which is water. That's two of the big. It's, Life. it's awesome. And also nutrients. We know that there is, um, it's an icy, got an icy crust that protects the life. If there was life inside, uh-huh. it could it could form this barrier against the, um, the space radiation. But as you mentioned, um, there's this interior heat source that keeps the ocean liquid. And of course, liquid water is very useful for life as we know it. So you've got this nutrient cycling. They also believe there could be um, a decent amount of oxygen in there that could wow. support not just single-celled life forms, but multi-cellular okay, life. Okay, okay. So now we're looking at like Europa Report, like, yeah. you no know, spoiler alert, you know, plug your ears. Giant squiddy things. Yeah, so you want to know what aliens are like? My bet, either jellyfish or squid. Oh, giant, wait, jellyfish? I hate jellyfish. Well, jellyfish, you know, jellyfish were, you know, at the start of the evolutionary trail, wasn't it, on Earth? So why why wouldn't there be jellyfish in, in Europa? And, you know, you've got Enceladus as well, which you already know that's got a salty ocean underneath its icy right? crust. I mean, these are like little um, little packages of life possibilities. I mean, I find right it amazing. Right in our own solar system. Yeah, literally on our own doorstep. That's, That's why we need so to get cool. probes onto the surface. And, you know, the so Europa cool. Clipper mission, which is going to go to Europa sometime in the next 10 years, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But we need a probe in that ocean. We need a little submersible yeah. thing. Which brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, um, which you can check out yesterday's episode for, uh, which was how aliens might not be interested in communicating with us. So if I'm a giant squiddy thing living under an ice surface that's protecting me from the radiation of the sun circling Jupiter, I probably don't really care about talking to those things over on Earth. Well, right? they, they probably wouldn't have the ability when you think about it. I, I mean, mean yeah. how would they communicate? To each other? Or to us. Flashy things? 
like bioluminescence. Bioluminescence, yeah. yeah. Super cool. Yeah. In the end, I guess, um, evolution is just efficient, right? Mm -hmm. It's about adaptability and being able to, to win whatever environment you're in. Sure. So it's like bones, for example, on us are specific density, specific sizes. They can hold up specific amounts of weight based on how they're constructed. And that is determined by evolution via gravity. Yeah. So it also determines, uh, evolution also determines based on your atmosphere, based on what resources are available, and all of that is going to determine what alien life would look like. So uh, to run it down, how I started putting this together. So what do you think of this? Everything that we know of of life, which again, terra-centric, mm -hmm. kind of a, not a, the best way to think about it, but a way, has a protective coating to hold everything inside of itself. It's symmetrical or close to it here on Earth. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's normal or not. Consuming, which means it absorbs energy from its environment somehow. It's got a homeostasis, so it can maintain its own body environment somehow. So like, you don't just have viruses come in and suddenly it's a completely different thing, although maybe outside of Earth. What do you think? Who knows? I think all those things are great. But then again, you know, we're looking at uh, biology that we know and understand. There could be a completely different way of doing things out there. Yeah? Which I find quite interesting. Something that we can't even imagine. That's so cool. Just awesome to imagine. It's pointless talking about it. Yeah, it is kind of. So what do aliens look like? Uh, uh, do microbes, we, do, do, do for we sure. actually care? I mean, that's the thing. Microbes, for sure. Yeah. If aliens are out there, microbes, for sure. It's got to be microbes. We'll start at microbes. Multi-cell life. Squid. Squid. Squids? Squid. Cool. Down. Let's talk about what happens if aliens come here. Bum, bum, bum. Not, not good no? stuff. Not good stuff. No, I, I doubt very much it would be good stuff. Very bad. How bad? Planet ending bad? Well, you know, Stephen Hawking reckons, well, he was he famously said that, you know, it would be really bad news if we transmit our signal into outer space in case it gets picked up by a savage alien race that just wants to eradicate us. I mean... We don't even know if aliens exist, let right. alone what their intentions are. True. So, you know, I'd be like, meh, you know. Uh. See, and that's what I thought. And I love I love me some hawking. But my yeah. first thought, too, was we are very aggressive, egotistical, you know, us-centered societies. Perhaps aliens that are spacefaring aren't that. Yeah, like um, conquest is very much a human thing. Yeah. Why are we going to assume that these aliens are going to invade? I mean, right. alien invasion. You think alien, you think invasion. Uh, we're just I mean, afraid that, of everything. Yeah. If I was a type two civilization, hint to earlier episode, then I don't think I would be afraid of that much stuff. Yeah, even if you're a type one. I mean, I mean yeah, really, but type on. two, come on, type two is cool. Well, that's where it's type at. Type two is where that's it's at. That's a few thousand sure. years away from there. Yeah. So aliens, according to Hawking, would probably come here looking for resources, maybe looking for conquest. You know, they want some human trophies. I don't know. They want to colonize the planet, perhaps. Maybe we got a lot of resources. Have you seen Battle Los Angeles? I have not. Oh, you need to see it. It's my guilty pleasure. It's, okay. a, it's, it's a good, bad movie. Um, it's basically these aliens invade, centering around LA, because that's where all bad stuff happens, of course. Definitely. Um, and the main point of the alien invasion is for our liquid water. Mm, that's similar that was to Oblivion. Did you see Oblivion? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Twist was a little predictable, but whatever. I enjoyed it. That was fine. But they were also taking our resources. That's when I think of aliens coming, that's the biggest reason I could see. Yeah. They're because not you know, for we've us. discovered how many planets and we know of I mean, we don't know of any of them with resources as like abundant us. as our own. But for life as we know it. I mean, for Again, all we know, Titan we could know be uh, heaven for those methane methane based life forms. True, true. 
Yeah. I mean, essentially, if aliens come here, according to Stephen Hawking and some other great minds, let's not put it all yeah. on Steve. But well, uh, they're looking for a new bitch planet. And yeah, and it's good to be cautious. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, we don't know these aliens. So why should we transmit our signal into outer space and advertise our presence when we don't know what these aliens are like? I mean, we have so been I get broadcasting, it. though. We've yeah, we already have. started. We, well, we've been leaking. On we've accident. Leaking. We started doing that before we even knew that that was a deal. Yeah. Right? We started radio. Like... So like, so, so, so our, our, anything within 100 light years should have been able to hear from us. <sighs> that's kind of freaky. It's not that far, though. That's, I mean, it seems far. Not really. I mean, the galaxy is like 100,000 light years across. Yeah, okay. Nobody knows we're here, let's that's face fine. it. <laughs> so, but let's think about it this way as well. Um, in biology now, on Earth, we have invasive species everywhere. We do. All over. People take an animal and they move it from one place to another, and then that species invades that area, mm -hmm. and they take over. Would aliens be able to do that here? Let's assume that they can live in our atmosphere. I would say totally. Because they have better resources. They probably at least have some level of intelligence that is higher than us in at their baseline because they're spacefaring and, and so on. What do you think? You think they could invade our species? Just to eat, like they come down friendly-like and then they invade on their own, on accident. A bit like District 9 when they yeah, turned up yeah. and they had nowhere to go. Yeah, poor little they guys. just like hung out. Yeah, they're like big cockroaches. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, this is pure speculation. We've got no idea what form these aliens are going to be. We assume they're going to be more technologically advanced than we are if they've actually made the effort to come here mm -hmm. and actually with the intent on invading us. Um, but say if they do something that we don't even recognize as an invasion, perhaps they just turn up, plop down, don't even see we're here, and they just kind of do their thing, and Ooh, we're like, yeah. whoa, what the hell? You know, at least talk yeah. to us. You know, if you're going to come in that. for a cup of tea, so at least say hi. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. they may not. That may not be how aliens work. That's true. That's a great point. Reminds me of um, the Gene Roddenberry show. What was that called? Conflict Earth, where oh, they came yeah. in and they like got mm -hmm. into the political system, and you know they they tried to cure all of our diseases and they tried to make us better but there was people that thought they were trying to take over but then there's like the you know in, in star trek you had the vulcans that was the first yeah. alien species we came across and they were actually really helpful they came down yeah. and said look we're just waiting for you to get warp drive positives come on we we're hanging around for ages could it be great vulcans are awesome yeah r.i.p leonard nimoy yeah but uh i mean ideally if they're visiting they're going to be a type one civilization or higher sure again if you don't know what that is Go watch earlier episode this week. We talked about the Kardashev scale. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. So they've mastered fusion. We assume. Or... They may not have a capitalist incentive. Yeah. You know? They, they may not be... need it. If they've mastered fusion, they don't need energy the way that we need energy. They don't need to buy it as, as much. And you have to think, why would they bother invading them? I mean, what, what, would, be their, right. what would be their purpose? You this know, is, if they can, yeah. If, they can, if they're masters of their own domain, they can make any place their domain that's so. the thing that's the best part about like the positive side of aliens showing up is that if i don't need resources and i'm not competing with other people in my immediate galactic neighborhood mm -hmm. then the only reason that you would reach out is to just be like hey what's up yeah how's it going i don't need your resources i'm just coming to say hey i like that seems nice yeah, but there's always the fear that they're not like that. They could be locusts. Yeah. Locusts are, you know, there's travel in a swarm and they take over and they destroy planets. Yeah, which is, you know, that's kind of a day ruiner, you know. But you can't do much about it either way. That's why I see it. Yeah. You know, if aliens are coming, they're coming. So why are we worrying about it? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, we've been leaking signals into space. I would rather be sending directed signals to 
possible Earth-like planets out there in the hope that they respond, in the hope that there is some kind of um, very peace-loving, technologically advanced alien civilization that's ultimately going to help us out. Because let's face it, the Earth isn't going in a good state right now. I mean, yeah. we're not very good at taking oh, care of our point. planet. It's a good point. So the way I see it, in 100, 200 years' time, this planet could be a wasteland. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we've got nothing to lose by sending a signal into space. If we get wiped out, we get wiped out. But there's a chance they could be They Vulcans. could come and clean everything up. They could. And they could come help us and be like, look, little guys, we, we figured this out a long time ago. Yeah. Here's some things. Although that's interesting because, like, that then maybe they cleaned up their planet because then we're being Terran centric again, right? We are. We're thinking like, oh, sure. they know how to clean up a nitrogen atmosphere. Maybe they have no idea because they don't come from a nitrogen atmosphere. Like, oh, they'll cure all our diseases because they know all of this stuff, but it's like they don't know our biology. And we don't yeah. even know that much about our biology. But we have to assume that they would have faced some of these challenges along their evolutionary yeah. path because if they've been able to accomplish interstellar travel, if they've been able to harness the amount of energy they've harnessed. They've had to have got there somehow, and needless to say, they've gone through some hardship. Yeah. So they will hopefully, and I would like to think that if we are that race, we could be that race. We could be that race that we are the only intelligent aliens in this in this part oh, of our galaxy. I love that. And in, in a thousand years' time, we've worked out how to clean up the environment. We've worked out how to save the planet. We're actually going, okay, now we're ready to share our experience with the galaxy, not, not the Earth. Because we screwed up our planet real bad, and it got bad for a while. Yeah. But now we're better, and here, here are other alien species nearby. So, And that comes back to like, the Fermi paradox, maybe we're yeah. just early. Maybe we're the first ones. You know, maybe we're the first ones to get to this point. Yeah. I mean, it's unlikely considering the age of the universe, right? It's a very lonely place where we live. Yeah, but it is, it's pretty lonely. There are plans in place currently, FYI, loyal viewers. There are plans in place just in case, uh, you know, of aliens, but they're not the plans that you think they are. There's no men in black, like, keeping an eye out for yeah, but people to show up. Would we know? I mean... Yeah. Would we even know if they showed up? But there is the Office of Planetary Protection. That's a thing, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's uh, protecting us from contaminating another planet. So this is like that last future human race we were just talking about. We want to make sure even now that we don't take microbes to Mars and accidentally contaminate the surface of Mars. Yeah. That would be bad. And vice versa. I mean, we yeah. don't want to come across something. So say if we send aliens to Mars, they will be going under strict quarantine rules like the Apollo astronauts did. They mm -hmm. they had strict quarantine because we didn't know what was on the moon back in the 1960s right. and 70s. So They're they went that, through like, that little bubble trailer. container. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. That was quite funny. And they went through customs as well, which was just ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So what would you say, first thing you would say if aliens showed up? Aliens stand uh, right there in front of you. Uh, I, I, hi. That's what I would say. Pretty much, hello. Hi, hi. It's like like meeting a famous Welcome person for to the Earth. first time. Do you, would you get like flustered? Yeah, a little bit flustered. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Really the heart rate, heart rate would be going. Um, I wouldn't know what to say, to be honest. So, what if they visited our planet already, but they did it millions of years ago, and they seeded our planet, and we are all aliens now? What do you think of that? <sighs> would we have to look into our DNA? Perhaps there's an alien message in our DNA. They, we'll they, find they, you know, out. like a little stamp. There's a theory out there, it's called panspermia, mm -hmm. which is essentially that an asteroid had on it some genetic material or some microbes perhaps, and they fell to Earth on that asteroid and then flourished. Possibly. Right? That's one idea. Is that is that it in a nutshell? Yeah, so you can yeah, you can assume that life is like a 
box of chocolates. Box of chocolates or pollen. Okay, pollen. So spreading from planet to planet like, you know, beautiful flowers. Okay. And from each planet, they start having life that flourishes. So the idea, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, theories about how life formed on Earth, and there's a lot of mysteries surrounding that still. Mm-hmm. But one of the ideas could be that perhaps a genetic material or some kind of component of that genetic material traveled here via asteroid impacts on another world mm. and then traveled here. But vice versa, perhaps... Our life on Earth, perhaps we are the start of all life. Perhaps the asteroid impact sent little bits, little chunks of Earth to other planets in the solar system and other moons in the solar system and perhaps spawned life there. Wow. And we know that there's rocks from Mars on Earth. We've actually found it. Yeah, I mean, this is actually called, it's got a funky name, where little chunks of planet travel to other planets. It's called lithopanspermia, where okay. like chunks of other planets land on other ones, and it could actually spawn life there. So it's kind of cool when yeah. you think about it. You uh, know, yeah. li- life is being spread all over the place, I and mean, we've got no evidence is it of this that easy? Is it easy to spread life like that, though? I mean, could Martian bacteria, for example, have somehow made it to Earth? I mean... Th- Let's not talk about the actual, mm-hmm. you know, astronomical odds of that happening. Yeah. You know, the right thing hitting the right thing at the right time, picking up life that survived through space and happened to hit Earth, which is not an easy thing to do. And it's in, and then it lived here. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? We don't know. Oh, it's, it's a theory. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hypothesis. There's right. no real. There's no evidence of that but we do know that the chunks of rock from other planets have traveled to other planets we know this this Mm -hmm. has happened um i mean obviously it's a bit easier for like a small world like mars to lose material because it's got a lower gravitational field so if it got hit by an asteroid of the same size of one hitting earth there'll be more material from mars spreading throughout the solar system than earth because Mm -hmm. earth's got a larger gravitational field than than the mars but then again, all you need is like that one chunk to come off of Earth and perhaps land on Mars. We haven't actually found a chunk of Earth on Mars yet right. that we know of. We haven't really been looking. We haven't. Well, that yeah, long. we have I been mean, looking. That, long yeah. and that many places. And, and each planet's got their own little spectroscopic. Um, you can do your own analysis on rocks on other planets and work out which planet they came from. Hmm. So there's a certain type of uh, Mars uh, meteorite that we know comes from Mars. And we have some of that here. We have. We and have. They're very just, rare and very. Yeah, yeah, huh. and and the good thing is you can and by by looking at the um, the the content of gas inside that rock, you can actually work out when it was blasted from Mars. Sure, which epoch it came from. Wow. So cool. it, let's say we found a Mars a Mars meteorite. I guess it would be. Then, what would happen then? It, it, we would have to test it somehow. We'd have to find microbes on it. If that happened, then we could mm-hmm. see if they were related to us. Yeah, I mean, like back in was in '95, uh, the famous uh, speech by President Clinton yeah. um, announced to the whole of America that they discovered microbes in a Mars meteorite. I remember that. That is still we still don't know what those those things were. They're like little flexi worms, but very 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 small. So they would have been um, very tiny cellular organisms or some sort of bacteria. Right, but. Of not of any kind we've ever found on Earth because they're just too tiny. Yeah. But we still haven't got an explanation for it. I mean, there's a lot of theories flying around. Yeah, they were around. debunked as microbes. They've been debunked many times. But it was like, but it could have been something. But I mean, but it could have been something. Yeah, it could have been something. And the thing is, we're still trying to understand what something that is. And of course, now, since that big discovery, a lot of space organizations like NASA are very careful about pulling the life card because... Yeah. That's a very politically sensitive thing to be saying, oh, we found life, and actually yeah. it's not really life. Right. How long 
then we mentioned way back in the, the first bit of this, we talked about uh, tardigrade. Yep. And it's a microbe that can live in space. How long can microbes live in space? It depends on the shielding. Okay. It completely depends on the shielding. So say if you've got a rock that's been kicked up into space and it is um, shielded against UV radiation, and the space is covered in that stuff, if it's shielded, it can conceivably last a very long time. I mean, there's no um, real study on that yet, but you know, months to years to decades to perhaps mm -hmm. even 100 years, it could mm -hmm. happen, wow. assuming enough shielding. But there is another theory. As you know, there's a lot of theories around panspermia. Right. It's called necropanspermia. Sounds and cool. And basically, these life forms don't have to be alive on arrival. They I'm can sorry. be They can be dead on arrival. Dead microbes. Flying through space. That get here. Light years. That get here. Yeah. And what happens then? If they're dead, nothing. Well, and the idea is that their genetic material is used as a template then for other oh, life to latch onto okay. or at least prebiotic so chemicals like, to form around and then the spark of life happens. So maybe like the primordial soup yeah. got soup from a stone dropped in it. Yeah, this whole mysterious soup that, that where life all came from that we huh. don't really fully understand yet. That's so, cool. Again, this is all really crazy hypotheses. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of fun to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part about aliens. That's the best part about this entire segment that we've been doing about aliens is that there's a lot that we think we know mm -hmm. and there's a lot that we do know but none of it's the stuff we want to know you know we want to know what aliens look like we want to know what would happen if they showed up or if we sh if we found them and we want to know what where we came from and where they would come from but yeah. we don't know any of it but it's another interesting thing we know that like these microbes can hitch rides on um, space robots so we know that they can survive in space for a long time. That's why NASA and other space agencies go through great pains to make sure their uh, their their instruments are decontaminated. Right. Um, but we already know that colonies of like E. coli can survive in a Martian environment for long periods of time. They don't like breeding much, but they are still alive. Yeah. So say if E. coli gets hitched right on, you know, the the Curiosity Mars lander, for for example, Hope they not. could still be living there. I they mean, would just we be have hanging, a colony there, just, just hanging out there out. doing their thing. Yeah, I mean, it's cold, high radiation, but yeah. they may not survive. A great, not a great aerobic atmosphere. No, not great. Not aerobic, you know, oxygen. They don't like As working anaerobic, out much. Aerobic, yeah. anaerobic. Look it up. It's on yeah. the Google. But let's turn this whole thing around, Trace. Say if aliens did it to us. Say if they, they sent their little flask into space of their genetic material, and we evolved from that goo. It just happened to land on this life-giving planet that we call Earth. Okay. Say if we are the experiment. That would explain a lot. It certainly would. It'd explain why Think we're all by it. ourselves. Because you're not supposed to mess with experiments okay. once they've started. We're a biological experiment in a little part of an unpopulated part of the galaxy. So my dad used to say when he would come home late at night after work. What did he used to say? He would say that we're aliens. Would he? Yeah. Oh. He, he thought he believed in directed panspermia that we were the result, and he didn't even he didn't even know that word. Yeah. He just thought maybe we were. My dad's weird. I mean, just look at the age of the universe. I mean, yeah. it's it's a logical conclusion to this thought process that we just went through, and we're just these tiny little organisms on this tiny world in a tiny part of the galaxy, all alone. Maybe. Yeah. So just imagine hmm. if you're technologically advanced and you've got life, we want to spread it. That's cool. Why not? I mean, that that goes. There's a few. Star Trek episodes where they find commonality in DNA. Mm -hmm. And that's another good thing. If we do find life on Mars, 
if we could check out its DNA, we could do this paternity test between Mars and Earth light and see and see if they, they are somehow related. But yeah. then you have to ask the question, how did life transfer from one planet to the other? Was it panspermia? Or did something pick it up from one place and put it somewhere I don't else? know. I'm going, I'm going for the, uh, the meteorite idea. That's so cool. Yeah. So is life crazy common in the universe? What do you think? Um, I think so. But yeah. that's a personal view. I mean, science can't prove it one way or the other yet. So, yeah. uh, But I, my belief is there's a lot of life-giving chemicals in the universe. There's a lot of planets not too dissimilar to Earth. All the ingredients are there. Why shouldn't there be life? Where Let's are so. these type 3 civilizations? Come on, type 3. Come say hi. No colonies, Blue. No yeah, colonies. no, no, we don't have colonization, not in the... Yeah. So there you have it. We started this week asking, are we alone? We figured why we haven't found aliens so far. We figured what exactly they might look like. We talked about why we might not be ready to meet them, or yep. maybe we are ready to meet them. Maybe we need them. Maybe. And also, we talked about maybe we are them, which is pretty exciting stuff. And all with Dr. Ian O'Neill. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This was such a cool Great time. Great to have me on. Lots of fun. Thank you so much for listening to Seeker Plus. You can find us at seeker.com, on youtube.com slash seeker, on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Just look for Seeker. You can also find me, I'm at Trace Dominguez and Dr. Ian O'Neill at Astro Engine. Thanks so much to him again for talking to us. And of course, please rate us in iTunes or in your podcasting app. It really helps us out. And thanks so much for listening.